everyone. It's your host, Polly Siegel. And for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, certified addiction specialist, and master level trained mindfulness practitioner. I own a counseling practice in both Colorado and Illinois, and I specialize in trauma, OCD, and anxiety. If you live in either of those two states, feel free to reach out to me for a consultation and we can begin the therapeutic journey together. Now on to the good shit. Welcome to season three of Shit Talking Shrinks. Gosh, I'm so excited. I will be featuring experts in the healing space and we're discussing a variety of mental health topics, the human experience, and society at large while creating levity along the way. Get ready to laugh, learn a lot, and change your life for good. This episode is sponsored by Joyous. Okay, I have to tell you about this incredible company, Joyous. It's an at-home ketamine treatment that delivers ketamine to your door for $129 a month, which is absolutely unheard of because most ketamine treatment is hella expensive. And what ketamine does is it helps our prefrontal cortex work more optimally. And the prefrontal cortex helps with decision-making, problem-solving, emotional regulation. It's the part of the brain that gets us through hard shit. And so if you're someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression and you've tried antidepressants or you've tried mood stabilizers and they haven't helped, ketamine is absolutely the next step. And I have seen my clients thrive while using ketamine. Joyous makes it super easy to access this life-changing medicine. And you can start the process by visiting www.joyous.team. You guys, you got to get on it and try it. Trust me, you won't look back. Hello, everyone. I have a fabulous Jewish guest. Sorry, I had to just say the Jewish part. I love having Jewish guests. Like that makes me happy. I'm glad to be here then. I'm glad I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> we have Ellie Weinstein who is an LCSW host of the Dude Therapist podcast, featured on the Kelly Clarkson show, which is like pretty fucking impressive. And you're specializing in relationships and parenting. And I'm lucky to have you here. I'm really excited to be here. I love, you know, what you guys are doing. You know, I love the idea of really being honest and real as mental health professionals. So the more we can do that, the better. So I'm excited. What are we talking about today? That's a great question. I don't know. We're talking about whatever we want. But today, I think we're going to focus on the idea of how we really build and continue healthy relationships, even when kids are around, because sometimes we kind of lose ourselves and get lost within parenting. It's not easy to reconnect and get back into that world of each other, but it's not impossible. And some of that I think is super important to kind of create a healthier home for your kids and for yourselves. Yeah. So like, I don't have kids. Obviously, one day I would like kids, but I would say it's even hard to just continue intimacy without children. Adding that in the mix only makes it way harder. Yeah. And, you know, we're not just talking about sex. We're not just talking about physicality. We're also talking about just alone time with each other, just spending time with each other. Even if you don't have kids, not making that a priority or life getting in the way, which is so easy to like fall back on. Well, life is just job, family, things just get in the way. It's going to be something that has to be work done prior to having kids because if that's not something that's set as a routine or a habit for you two, it's that much harder to create it. Not impossible, but that much harder to create it once kids come along. So it's something that's a really important thing in general for any relationship. 
So you would say that like prior to having kids, having a very intentional conversation around how are we going to continue our magic? How are we going to continue our intimacy is necessary versus just blindly walking into it, hoping that it figures itself out? Well, I really hope you don't do that in anything in life. That would be kind of uh, scary. But people do it all the time. People do. And somehow it works out. I know I think even just relationships in general, you know, you can't prepare 100% because you don't know how you're going to be as a parent. You don't know the stress that this child will cause. You know, I got two kids. My daughter was a lot less stressful than my son in the beginning of their life. I didn't know. I thought I had it down pat with my first one. And then all of a sudden, the second one comes along and kind of threw us for a loop and shook up our life in a very intense way. Not in a bad way, just he didn't sleep well and didn't eat well. So it was just a lot of stress and just not sleeping through the night for a year or so. Really just, you can't prepare. You don't know how you're going to be. The whole idea is that preparing the commitment to each other is what we're talking about. Like really talking about how we need to show up for each other in our lives, what we need from a person to feel loved when we don't feel love. What are some of our expectations for each other within a relationship when it comes to parenting and ourselves? And something that people don't talk about is the beauty of individuality as well as the unit. Also having your time. So intimacy is not just with each other. I'm also throwing in intimacy with yourself. Like that idea of having that self-care alone time into that narrative. Because if you're a parent dealing with your kids and the pressure of being better in your relationship and what gets lost yourself. We need individuals within the relationship. This is not like this enmeshed, falling apart, not being you. So we also have to focus on that part. So figuring out what you need for yourself. What does that balance look like? Do you have girls night? Do you have bro night? Do you go play sports? Do you go to concerts? Do you go have coffee in the morning? Like what is your routine or things that you add into your life that's for you, for the unit, and for the family? And those three things are great conversations to talk about the needs or the expectations or hopes for each one with your partner. And that can happen anytime while you're dating, while you're committed to each other, or in the thick of it. It just takes that time to set up and actually talk about it. Well, I think what's so interesting is that one, I think humans are just like naturally neglectful of their own needs. Healthy humans are neglectful of their needs. Yeah. Unhealthy humans can be narcissistic and kind of self-focused, <laughs> right? So healthy humans are going to be people who kind of neglect themselves because they're trying to focus on other people. It doesn't have a healthy impact, right? It doesn't have a healthy side effect. Like healthy humans usually put others first or care about other people. The unhealthy ones are like, screw everyone, just me. I wouldn't say I'm like, screw everyone, just me, but I've always been like very focused on myself. That's beautiful. You're very healthy. I'm not saying you're unhealthy. I mean, like when someone has like narcissistic tendencies or other things of that nature, they're like on the unhealthy spectrum of how they view the world and themselves and in relation to other people. Most healthy humans have that struggle sometimes that balance to care about others or they care about themselves in the balance and other people don't like it. Right. I can't believe you called me a narcissist. Yeah, I do that sometimes. It's a problem I have. You know, I'm working on it. Like you come on my show as a guest and then you insult me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like we're naturally like okay how do i serve others how do i make sure other people's needs are being met and so i like the point that you've made that not only is creating intimacy and intentionality with your partner so important but making sure you're assessing your own needs and knowing what is necessary for you to thrive and flourish it's a super valuable thing because a lot of times we don't pick up on that for ourselves 
we kind of go through life assuming we might know, never really thinking about it, never really investing in ourselves. I'm not just talking about going to therapy. I'm talking about just anything that has to do with you. And, uh, you know, I work with couples every day and relationships every day. And that balance of self and the unit is something that's a huge tension creator for couples. Like, I want to go do something. Oh, but, you know, we need to connect or I want to like I have more we time. Uh, What about me? This constant battle that happens. And I think it's just a, a really important conversation to have and be honest with yourself. And if you don't know, you know, work on it, think about it, try things, you know, go down that path of understanding who you are and what your needs are. I know, and I say this often on podcasts or when I talk about with parenting, that first year of my daughter's life was the hardest part of our relationship. Really one of the worst years of our relationship, not because we didn't love our kid is because it tested us in a way that we didn't know how to express ourselves and the needs. We didn't even know what we needed now as parents. It's not like we didn't talk about it. We were just so overwhelmed. We didn't make space to talk about it in that current time. So a big thing is to check in, just check in with someone like, Hey, what do you need now? What's going on? What's shifted? What's changed from our last conversation to now? Something seems off. What's not happening, right? That constant, that check-in is super important with your person or anyone in your life to just make sure that the relationship is getting the needs that are met, the needs that are wanted and uh, is successful and filling for both of you and individually. This might seem basic to some people listening, but for others, I think it would be informative. A lot of times in my clinical practice, I hear like, I don't even know how to bring up to my partner what I need, how I need it, when I need it, why I need it. How would you invite people to start that conversation? I love and live in the simplicity and basic of relationships. That to me is like the bread and butter foundational stuff that gets like missed over or not talked about within couples, like they talk about the big things like, are we getting married? Are we going to, do you love me? Uh, You know, where are we going to move? How many kids are we going to have? When in reality, they stop talking about the basic things. I think in a simple level, the first question I always push back on someone is, do you have a hard time expressing it because you don't know what to say? Or are you having a hard time expressing it because you don't feel the person you're with is safe enough or secure enough to say that too? So I go different directions depending on what the answer is. If you don't know what to say, Let's talk it out. Let's figure it out. What's bubbling? Write it down. Draw. Listen to some music to maybe connect to something. Listen to a podcast about emotions. Because if you don't have the words, sometimes you just need an outlet, whether it's a book or someone else. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. I never had words for it. That makes sense to me. And it's yours. It's not like you're taking their thing. You just now have an ability to express it. And we not always taught that, how to express those things. The second avenue I'd go is if your person isn't creating or doesn't have that safety for you, that's an issue, right? We need to feel comfort with our people to share. So what I would say is start off with, hey, I really need to talk to you about something serious. Something's on my mind. Can we talk? I want to make sure that you hear me out. Are you available? Right? Just give them the prep that this is a serious conversation. Doesn't mean you're breaking up. It's not that text of like, we need to talk right? That freaks everyone out. This is like, hey, I really want to talk to you about something in my heart. And it means a lot to me if you can really give me your attention and care for me in this moment. And that's hard. Those hard conversations is what builds depth and intimacy within a relationship. Just because it hasn't happened in the past doesn't mean it will happen now. Try to be in this moment of what you're trying to create today, not what might have happened in the past with other conversations. Because if you're changing the narrative and the mindset of the person, and going, hey, I really want to talk to you about something. This means a lot to me. Can you please listen? You might not have done that before to set them up for success. 
So the biggest thing is just try, see how they take it. Again, the point is not to come up with a solution. The point is to bring awareness to them that you have certain needs. And once they validate or accept or listen to your emotions and listen to your needs, then you can come up with a solution together. The focus is not, we got to figure this out now. It's, I need you to hear me so that someone can take me into account or listen to what I actually need. A sassy thing I say is that someone who says I love you and cares about you is not able to show up for you when you say I need you to listen because this is important. That's not the right person for you. Oh, Shazam. Yeah, that's right. If they can't do that, right, and they say I love you and I care about you and you're saying I need you to pay attention, I need you to listen, I'm struggling or I need something and they can't give you validation or love in that moment and all they're doing is becoming defensive, angry, and annoying because they feel attacked, that's a sign that something's a little off within the relationship. Doesn't mean you have to break up or end it, but that's not so great because that love and care for you is not being put forefront in this moment when you're asking for it. As we would say, it's not kosher. It's not kosher. That's right. Were you raised in a kosher family? Yeah. Orthodox kosher family. Yeah. I thought so by your name. Oh, really? It kind of was a, you know, hotel. (laughs) (laughs) So are you still kosher? Yeah. Kosher, Orthodox, keep Sabbath, all that fun stuff. Beautiful. Or for some people, not fun stuff. But for me, it's, uh, I enjoy it. I find it very grounding. Uh, a good way to kind of have a value system for myself to hold on to or to believe in something, uh, as well as, you know, the weekends are really chill. I'm like with my family and friends. And I need that in the life that I have, which is for others. Therapy is very draining. And people don't understand that when they find out you're a therapist, they don't really pick up on the fact of how much of themselves that therapists put into their clients. I'm not talking about an unhealthy way. I'm talking about just showing up for a session and being there with someone and their struggle and their emotions and locked in and helping them. So to have that disconnect every weekend is something that I really need because I'm not on, I'm not trying, I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm just being with my family and just enjoying life. So like when I have clients call me and they're like, Hey, you know, do you have weekends? And I'm like, Nope, weekends are for me and my family. Like I'm very hard on that boundary because like, yeah, I can make more money on a Sunday and see a lot more people but then I'm stealing away from something else that I need. I want to take a quick pause to talk about our sponsor, a company called BetterHelp. It's an online therapy platform where all the therapists are licensed and accredited professionals. It's affordable. You pay a low flat fee for therapy with your therapist, and it's convenient. Do it at your own time and at your own pace, and you can communicate with your therapist as much as you want and whenever you feel is needed. And more importantly, it's effective. Thousands of people have benefited from therapy using BetterHelp, and we're really grateful to offer all of our listeners 10% off your first month. So if you're interested in receiving therapy ASAP, click the link in our show notes and you can get started and you get to save money. Okay, so let's say you've had the intentional conversation with your partner, you've expressed your needs, both people are open and able to receive the other person's message. And then you have kids that are the biggest cock blocks. So when it comes to, are we talking about sex specifically? We have to be patient because especially men to women, if we're talking about a classic heterosexual relationship, because the body went through a crazy change and a ridiculous experience. That's one. Two, intimacy is not just penetration and sex. So we can do a lot of other things that build, you know, whether it's 
oral sex or anything, hand jobs, blowjob, whatever it might be. I don't know how graphic this podcast gets, but we're being real. It's graphic. Yeah. So oral sex is a great ability to connect with someone without something that makes someone feel uncomfortable in this time frame of their life. We also have to be kind and respectful to the needs of our partner. So that might be, and this is a hard thing to say, but reality, when your baby naps and you have a free moment, not having candles and lingerie and all this ridiculous experience to have a nice quickie to experience each other, be with each other and connect with each other. Yes. When the baby naps, you nap. Big whoop. Have extra coffee or drink a Celsius, something. That's, <laughs> I, love, I love Celsius, right? You're like, get a Red Bull and shut the fuck up. <laughs> get a Red Bull. Enjoy life because you don't stop being a couple just because a kid comes into the picture. You still have to create strength within each other and connection because the farther you come apart and the more disconnected you become, the harder it is to be a team and create a home that's good for the child, which is why you had a kid to begin with. Loving a child, connecting with a child, having that home and that life that you want to create, that takes hard work and investment. And that means don't giving up on the couple and stopping what you've always done, which is connection. Now, you also have to be realistic. Maybe before kids, you were having sex two to four times a week, and now it's once a week or once every other week. That might be what is just doable right now. This is not a forever thing. It's a now thing. So just because it's not happening doesn't mean that you give up and be like, well, we're not having sex the way we talked about or where when we were single, when we were like, you know, dating and when that's it. This is just a momentary setback and delay of what the normal, you know, setting of your relationship. So just be realistic and talk about that. It's frustrating, but I'm happy we at least do this. Babysitters are awesome. Hire and spend money on babysitters. And sometimes it's not even going to dinner. Rent a hotel room. Enjoy yourself. If you live near family, don't be shy. Everyone needs help. Ask for it. Now, I wouldn't say to your mother-in-law and father-in-law, your parents, hey, can you take the kids so we can bang one out? That's you know kind of an uncomfortable thing. Maybe you shouldn't talk to your parents about your sex life. That's just me. There's ways to create it. Utilize the people in your life. Utilize the resources that you have available. It is a struggle. It's a huge struggle because it does get in the way. You know, a lot of times I work with parents where they're in the middle of having sex and the baby cries. So what do you do? Stop. Go take care of the baby. Come back. Don't just be like, well, the night's ruined. Yeah, I guess it's mindset. It's a mindset. We have to invest in each other as well as this child. Because your needs are important. And so is this kid who can't do anything for themselves. I'm just imagining everything you're saying. And I think it's very straightforward and to the point and logical. But I can easily imagine certain clients of mine. I'll walk through your examples and their reply. So I want to speak to that. Where they would go, okay, the baby's napping, but I'm so fucking tired. The last thing on my mind is to have sex or to cuddle or oral or any of it. Like It's just so low on the totem pole. Or... I don't want a babysitter because I want to make sure that I'm there for my child. And there's anxiety around inviting a stranger into the home and not knowing what that's going to be like or not wanting to get family involved because it's complicated and family's tough. And there's a lot of yuck that maybe is associated with family. So like, yes, it could be straightforward. Just hire someone, just do it. But like, how do you navigate those obstacles? 
I love that pushback because um, it's really realistic. And I think that what needs to happen is you have to do everything when you are ready. So what I mean by that is, yeah, if you're really tired and you take a nap, that's the priority right now because you need to survive in this moment. Like I said, it's not a forever thing and now thing. It could be, and I know this doesn't sound very sexy and attractive and fun, scheduling when you actually have sex because right now is not good. So it's not like rejection and no option, rejection and let's try tomorrow or let's do it over the weekend. And I totally get the the babysitter thing. I don't like wasting money on babysitting because like I have in-laws that love my kid. It's very easy to just drop it off. There's always, you know, weirdness and strings attached depending on the people, of course, in your life. But if you're not ready for that and you want to create that time, it could be that you then don't hire a babysitter and that's all good. But you make that night important for each other. If you're worried and anxious about trusting another person with your kid, that means you care about your kid and you're being an awesome parent. You're worried for your kid's protection and safety. So worry about that. Stay home, but make that night special for the two of you. It doesn't have to be sex. It could just be watching your favorite movie together or eating dinner at a normal pace, not shoving food down your throat because your kid is screaming. Or ordering in. So if you're not going to go babysitter out, be realistic about it. If that's not realistic, putting the kid to bed and eating or doing something together. And it's all about what is the current need. If it's sleep, you better sleep because then you're not going to be a human being. If you have enough energy, it's the choice of pushing through that uh, feeling to trying to make the most of an opportunity that you have. And sometimes it's going to be a great opportunity. You're going to be able to push through it. And sometimes you won't. And it's just about that compassion for each other and that kindness towards each other that we're trying versus stonewalling or nothing. If I can see that my person is at least trying, thinking about it, considering it, oh my gosh, it's so hard. I don't know what to do. I'm tired, but or I have enough energy and right. Those kind of things shows each other that we at least care enough that we're considering it, but we're struggling to push through that hump or through that current stressor or or issue. So that also feels good that you're not just giving up and forgetting. It's, I really care about this and I really love you. It's just that constant confirmation and reassurance. I'm not ready. I'm really tired. I love you. Let's try to figure this out. There's others ways of showing love and showing that I don't throw you out because there's a kid. That's also important. Well, I think also what's so interesting is, and you know this as a clinician, and I know this, how quickly our brain loves the black and white. Either we have sex or we don't. Either it's the way it used to be or it's all trash. What I'm hearing is that there's this natural evolution and needing to be adaptive that like your sex life is not going to be the same. And comparing it to that, you know, really is the thief of joy. Because if you're not able to like recalibrate and say like, well, this is our new reality. How do we create magic and yumminess with our new reality? Of course, it would just be throwing your hands up and saying, well, it's just never going to work. One of the things that I work with a lot of clients on, and even for myself, is the idea of the evolution of a relationship in ourselves individually. Let's say for a married couple, on the day we get married, we're locked into this vision of ourselves or this version of ourselves for the rest of our lives. Our relationship is doomed to fail because five years from now, three years from now, we're different people. Our priorities change. We might live somewhere else. We might have a kid. 
if we say like we need to be the way we are, we have to go out the same amount, we have to hang out with friends the same amount of time, we have to do this, travel, all this stuff, and we expect that to just be plopped into each part of our life and every stage of our life. You don't know what job you're going to have, the finances coming in, you don't know anything or your expenses. So what I would say is one of the keys to just parenting and relationships is flexibility and being able to pivot to this present stage of where you're at. Being stuck in that past mentality, it steals you of what's happening and joy because you're not able to go, oh, there's happiness and stuff in this stage, but I'm holding on to that old thing, hoping that happens still. The way you had sex and how often you had sex when you were dating is never going to be the same way. And it doesn't mean that's bad. It just means that you're growing up, you're older, your libido changes. Who knows what medications you might be on? Maybe you've gained weight and you don't feel confident in yourself. You don't know what's going to happen. So you have to be able to just go, yeah, that was really nice. And there's also greatness in this moment. There's also greatness in this stage and it won't look the same. I mean, same thing with kids. I mean, how often I work with people where like their parents still look at them as their the teenage self. No, they're in their 20s and 30s. They're not 14. We don't want our parents looking at us and holding us into that image, but we do that to ourselves within our relationships and our own self. Like, oh, when I was 21, I would party so hard and have a great night. And now I'm 35 and I can't do that. Okay. Is that the goal? Do you need to still do that? If you want to do that, can you be realistic with yourself and still enjoy your night? Yeah, you probably can. So why do you think you need to be 21 to enjoy your life? So I love that. I think it's really true. We have to be pivoting and constantly flexible, which is really hard for a lot of us, myself included, depending on the day. So it's just about being more compassionate to yourself and like letting yourself have that sadness or loss of what that was, as well as like looking at what is successful or hopeful in this moment. And those two things can be together. And instead of being all or nothing. And again, it's okay, like you just said, to grieve that incredible, you know, you guys were the public sex you had, that probably was really magical and amazing. And it's probably not going to happen when the baby's in the stroller. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's, like, it's just, there's this piece to know that that was still meaningful and awesome. And you're now going to create a new type of intimacy that's still really special, but it's adapted. Okay. So I'm all about tangible tools. And so if people are, you know, listening and they're like, okay, what do I do now? What are tips and tricks for people to reignite their intimacy considering you know, some of the natural barriers of being a parent? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is look at your schedule. Like, Be realistic of where your energies are being pulled, how much energy you have at the end of the day, checking in with each other's energies, like the whole tank mentality. Where's your tank at? So first, look at the reality of your life. Once you accept the reality of your life, then it's okay. What can we actually do within that? What makes sense? What works and what doesn't? That's the first part. The second thing is being aware of, like I said, your needs and writing them down, talking it out with each other, making that list of what is important to me right now in this new stage of life. What do I need? What is really integral? And what's like really extra and wonderful above and beyond? And it could be as simple as, I really need you to just give me a kiss in the morning on my forehead to know that no matter what happened in the night, you still love me. Or I need you that when I tell you and ask you for help to not huff and puff, but to be like, yes, what can I do? I need you 
that when I say I'm so tired to not go, well, I'm tired too. This is not a game of comparison. Everyone's tired. I'm really just asking for your help and support. All these practical ways, and that takes being patient with the process of learning what that actually looks like in the beginning stages. And same thing with the flexibility with your relationship. You got to be flexible with the state of your kid. The beginning is like all over the place. And then you get into a rhythm and then that changes and you get into another rhythm that changes. It's about reassessing and checking in when the rhythm changes and it's being in tune. So if you see your partners off or they're not at their baseline or they're not okay the way that they usually are, hey, what's going on? I push these three questions. How are you doing? Are you okay? And what can I do for you? What do you need from me? Right? So how are you doing in general? Are you okay right now? And what can I do for you? You can ask them as many times as you want. Your partner might yell at you to say, stop asking me that question. You're being annoying. And that could be true. So stop asking. In reality, we're just trying to just reconnect and really be with each other. When it comes to the intimacy, be realistic, be honest. What do you need? How can we do it? How do you actually feel about yourself in this moment to have sex? And finding different ways to create depth and intimacy that isn't just sex. If that's falling off a little bit by nature of having a kid, find other ways. Maybe it means, you know, picking up board games and having fun with each other and laughing, you know, having real nice chats or watching a comedy together that brings laughter. Maybe it means finding different ways that are sexual, doing some research, maybe toys or other things that could create that excitement with each other that isn't just the classic sense of sex. And just be constantly asking and checking in. See what your person needs and don't stop sharing what you need. Yes, it's the nature of doing for others and like, what do you need? What do you need? And I'm talking mostly to the moms that this happens to. Don't forget that you matter just as much and probably more than your partner, especially in this stage. So please don't forget about yourself. Talk up, ask for help. Don't be afraid. And if you are, why? What can we do to change that? Because you are so important, especially for your kid's life. And that success, hopefully, with those constant conversations can create somewhat more of a connection. Remember, the kid will grow up and it will be a lot easier later on. It does get better. It does get more. They do sleep through the night, right? Where you can have more fun. You will get more comfortable trusting other people to have a babysitter, right? It will get easier. Right now is really rough and that's okay. It's the stage, but it's not forever. It's just for now. So be patient. Be caring and be loving to each other because it doesn't last. And I think also what stands out to me in our conversation today, too, is not death gripping what you used to be, not death gripping what you used to know. It's ever evolving. There's a natural change that's going to happen developmentally throughout your relationship and that there can be gratitude found in that evolution. But if you're constantly in the state of, well, we used to do that and it used to be like that and it once was that, then like, yeah, how could you possibly find joy in the present moment? Because you're like, you used to look different. (laughs) You know, it's like, get over it. Like, I, I know I'm being sassy, like get over it and be in this moment of what is the present success or the present person that you're with. You know, that's why there's more to relationships and marriage and long-term relationships and just looks money. There's depth of a person that brings you joy and comfort. That's what is there. It didn't go away. 
there's still that comfort and that person that you connected to however long ago. It doesn't just disappear. We hold back or we let ourselves forget that because of whatever reason, either it's current stressors or past things we hold on to. It's something that really steals and hurts a lot of relationships. And I would just say life in general, you know, like whether it's our body when we were in our early 20s or our career, like it's just going to change and that is okay. One realistic, like practical thing as well on top, please don't get messed up or confused by social media. If you see parents traveling, doing, you know, date night, whatever they might be doing in the same quote unquote stage that you're in with a kid, you don't know what financial abilities they have. You don't know what help they have. You don't know if they really care about or even love their kids and they could just be leaving them, you know, by themselves. Who knows? I'm just being ridiculous, but you don't know what's going on behind that picture or that video. So don't get messed up or confused that you are doing something wrong within your relationship just because some actor, actress, celebrity, musician, or a friend or colleague or someone that you see or follow. You just don't know what's going on in real life that is giving them the opportunity or potential to do those things. You know, they might got paid to go to a hotel with their kid and have someone watch their kid for an hour. You just don't know. So be careful that if you feel that that's creeping up or you're like, what the hell? So-and-so and so-and-so is doing this or like, you know, my wife and I used to always joke around and compare to Sean and Andrew East because our kids are the same age. When they're real, you're like, thank you. But like when they go on date now, you're like, what the hell? How? But they live near their family and they have a lot of friends who have similar kids the same age. They watch each other's kids. I don't know that by just seeing their picture or videos that shouldn't cause me hate against myself. Well, on that note, thank you so much for just, I don't know, this conversation was meaningful in a lot of ways, but it also was just real. It highlighted the true struggles and obstacles, but also giving tangible tools to make minor shifts that are going to create more intimacy and connection. And I think all we need is just minor sometimes. It doesn't have to be huge shifts. And, you know, thanks so much for having me. You know, maybe I wasn't as sassy as other guests have been. I can be. You got to get me on a certain day. I mean, you called me a narcissist. So <laughs> I don't think it gets any more sassy than that. Well, there you go. I guess we checked <laughs> off that box for today's, for today's <laughs> episode. All right. We'll catch everyone later.